Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered with your host, Josh. Hope you all had a great weekend. A lot of action from this past NBA weekend. You had the Lakers uh, win their series. You had the um, Heat, or you had, my bad, you had the Heat win their series. You had the Celtic Sixers game seven. I'm going to get into all what happened this weekend. Uh, the John Morant suspension as well. I'm going to preview the upcoming Eastern and Western Conference Finals. So we have a 2020 bubble rematch. A lot of people upset about that because it proves that, hey, when healthy, those teams are still, uh, you know, really good. So there you go. Uh, they have that uh, going for them. Those teams, I'll get into Lakers Nuggets and Heat Celtics. Uh, but before I get into all that, I do want to start with the John Morant suspension. Now, I was very surprised and shocked yesterday morning, I believe, when this was um, released that, you know, John Morant was, you know, suspended by the Grizzlies uh, organization for an Instagram post or Instagram live video of him holding another gun. So it is yet another gun incident that he is faced with, that he's been suspended with. And I just, uh, I felt bad uh, for Ja. Um, and I've got, I've got quite a few thoughts on this because I followed uh, Ja throughout this process this year. Um, and the incidents that uh, he's kind of faced and has dealt with and his friend group uh, that he is, you know, associated with, which I don't think is that good uh, of a friend group uh, for him. So um, he was suspended uh, earlier in the season by the NBA eight games uh, for holding a gun at a gentleman's club, um, and he allegedly went to get help at a Florida consulting uh, place. And again, I thought that was hocus pocus. Uh, I don't think that was real at all, uh, considering it was, you know, eight days he was on the court in like two weeks. You know, I didn't think anything substantial happened. I thought it was all smoke and mirrors, kind of water under the bridge and you know, Adam Silver and John Morant uh, met, and Adam Silver just, I think, hoped that, hey, John Morant gave me his word. Hopefully this is the end of the issues for him that he has. And apparently not. Uh, John Morant, uh, again, suspended, and again, he's had incidents with the incident with uh, the Pacers, a game where it looked like a red light from a gun was trained on him. He's had other gun incidents as well and threatened to beat people up. There's an ongoing lawsuit against him. So there's a lot going on uh, with Ja. Um, ja also, you know, mentioned, uh, you know, after his kind of eight days there, um, you know, suspension that, you know, he needs to find a better way of dealing with stress and anxiety. And I did and still believe him on that, considering 
this is a 23, soon to be 24, a year old kid. And, you know, I'm 23, or my bad, I'm 24, just turned 24. Uh, so born same year as job in 99. Uh, and again, you know, from the job I have, like, you know, a job everybody has really, uh, there's stress and anxiety. But to me, there's more so on a 23 year old athlete. Um, because, you know, all that pressure and spotlight is an on you, you're expected to be a role model and all that at that age. And, you know, the maturity levels are very different for all 23 year olds. I look at the class I graduated with, you know, 23, 24 year olds right now and different things they post on social media. And it's things I would never post on social media. But then you look at the jobs they have. So some of my more mature friends, they have jobs where employers expect, you know, certain things from them. So uh, some people have even deleted their Twitter accounts and stuff like that because uh, they don't want any old things resurfacing and harming them because, you know, they might have done stupid things in the past. But, you know, they're mature now, they're fully present. That's not something they do or want to be associated with. However, there's other friends uh, and people that I know that, you know, are 23, 24-year-olds, and they still act like they're, you know, 17, 18, you know, uh, staying out late, partying all the time, moving up from job to job, day drinking, uh, you know, don't live a life that you're envious of where you're checking up on it like, I got to have a life like one of those. That's not something, you know, that I get jealous of. And I don't know what it is with Jock, where he has these contemporaries in the NBA, uh, fellow players, and he's recognized as one of the most talented, the, one of the biggest playmakers in the NBA. Uh, but he decides to hang out with those who I don't think's interests are in the best interests of John Morant. So if I had to give a word of advice to John, to me, it's to mature uh, a little faster. Now, again, like I said, we all mature on different levels. Uh, for 23-year-olds, you really don't want to take advice from, you know, old people. And I totally get that. Uh, but again, I, I could say anything to him. I just say uh, mature a little better and maybe reevaluate your friend group, because there's not, uh, there's very few people you want to watch you succeed, you know, long-term and have this success. Uh, and there's definitely, uh, you know, something my grandpa dropped on me is there's more givers, or excuse me, there's more takers in the world than givers. And all Jaws friends are that group that was in that car with them. They're takers. They like being with Jaws because they can post on IG Live, get on IG Live and save your with John Morant. Uh, they can save her cool with John. John gets his bag and his friends are like, oh, I got a, a mini bag myself because I'm associated with John. I'm a friend with John. You know, he can hook me up. So, uh, again, that, um, I think, you know, as a word of advice for John. Uh, and, again, just how others view him as well. Yesterday on uh, NBA Countdown, 
before the game started, you know, you had Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon and Graney and Jalen Rose talking about this situation that he ended in. And, uh, you know, Michael Wilbon said that, you know, he won't allow his son to buy Josh shoes because he doesn't support that. And then you have this deal with Powerade now as well. Uh, so, Ja, I believe with these incidents, because, you know, I believe he's one of the four best guards, or my bad, one of the best nine guards in the NBA. I believe he, believe if he didn't have these upper court issues, he would have made an all-NBA team, and he would have been $40 million richer. Instead, that Supermax contract, that Supermax part of it did not kick in because he didn't make an all-NBA team. Now, that already cost him $40 million. He's already been uh, suspended a few times, so both games, I don't know the exact value of the other monetary value and salary that's been deducted this year. Uh, but, again, it's worth thinking about uh, that John Morant has to mature a little faster, or maybe if he doesn't, if it takes time, just be mindful of what you post because anytime a video or picture is posted with you or of you, there's going to be millions of millions of eyes uh, on that. So you just got to be careful. But that's all I want to say about the situation. Situation. Uh, with John Morant, um, you know, the meaning of what they're talking about is looking to be, you know, double-digit game suspension. Some said 20. I heard an estimate saying, you know, half the season, 41. Some even said more than half. So who knows what the league will officially hand down. Uh, but, you know, you get, you know, a few, you know, three strikes, you're out is what they say. And, this is, I think, his second. This is his second strike in terms of suspension. Uh, he does this again. I don't think, don't think it'll look good. But I don't want that to happen. I'm a fan of Ja. I remember the first Suns game I went to. Uh, it was the Grizzlies. I was rooting for Ja. He had the incredible game-winning buzzer beater shot. He's just fantastic. Um, to me, he is one of the faces of the league. So hopefully, again, he learns from this and continues to evolve as an NBA player because he has the, the tools and potential uh, to be one of the best and, again, be one of the faces of the NBA. Now moving on to the Lakers. Now, it's Friday night. The Lakers beat the Warriors. I said on my podcast I was going to pick the Lakers uh, to win this game. I picked the Lakers to win the series in six. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, everybody was, uh, a lot of media pundits were talking about LeBron James, how he isn't that good anymore, and, you know, he doesn't have that driver spark, and can he do it? And in a closeout game for the Warriors, uh, LeBron beat the Warriors, and he was the best player on the floor. He had 30 points. He was an assist and rebound shy of a triple-double, so it was 39-9. and nine. Again, he was fantastic. He didn't jack up, you know, threes like sometimes he's accustomed to. He was 
two of three from three, which I thought was efficient enough for him. And then he was 10 of 14 from the field. He drove down. He went to the free throw line. He made eight of his 11. That was vintage LeBron James. That was, uh, if you feel good about a three, take it. Don't force, don't jack those up. Um, and then drive downhill because no one can stop you. Uh, and then pass it, you know, to your wide open guys, get rebounds, point fight for the ball. And that's exactly what LeBron did. Uh, it was very similar to game six of the last series against the Grizzlies where LeBron said, you know, this is a, we had a game seven mentality because we didn't want to come back to Memphis. I thought he had that same mentality that, hey, game six is basically the game seven right here. LeBron James delivered. He was excellent. AD, I thought, was fantastic. He had the highest plus minus of any player, plus 31. He had 17 points, uh, which, again, some people like 17 points. But he had 20 rebounds. 20 rebounds. I mean, he dominated uh, the boards. He was great defensively. I think he's the best defensive player left in the playoffs. Again, two blocks, two steals. His defense was great. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, I thought, was really good as well. His defense on Curry before he got ejected, uh, which is a whole nother story, uh, which I thought was a joke that he got a, another technical foul uh, for Draymond put him a ball in his face and him talking afterwards. I thought, you know, that was a bit of a joke. Austin Reeves and D'Lo were both really good. D'Lo, 19 points. And Austin Reeves had 23 points. Uh, he had the half-court shot to put him up by 10 at halftime, which I thought was really good. That, to me, was like a deflator. And that's kind of what we saw in the playoffs last year from Golden State is Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, make these half-court buzzer-beater shots at halftime. And it's just so deflating because you're like, oh, we're only down by single digits. And then they make some shot, and you're down by, you know, double digits. And then that just springboards them for the third quarter. And next thing you know, it was a six, seven-point game, and then they're up by 15-20 going into the fourth quarter. So the Lakers kind of, I thought, used their own formula against them. Uh, and then outside of Steph Curry, uh, this series, everyone was bad. Steph Curry, I thought, was really good. Uh, wasn't great from three. Uh, and particularly this series, he had a few moments. But Draymond had a good game five. Andrew Wiggins had a good game five. Both of them were non-existent. The rest of the series, uh, averaging, as Chuck would say, a triple single. Clay Thompson uh, and Jordan Poole, a couple good, uh, good game two for both of them. But outside of that, they were terrible again. Uh, Clay Thompson was three of nineteen from the floor. Two for 12 from three. That ain't going to cut it. Uh, Jordan Poole was three of 10 from the field. Didn't make a single three-pointer. Uh, there, Kevon Looney off the bench. Again, doesn't provide much of any offensive game. Nine points, but did have 18 rebounds. And this is a game, a series, where the Lakers were just better. They shot from in game six, 52% from the floor uh, to Golden State's 38. 50% from three. They made, you know... Los Angeles and Golden State made the same amount of threes at 13, but it took uh, the L.A. like half the shots to get there. It only took them 26, where it took Golden State 48. So that discrepancy was big again. Offensive glass was kind of even. Uh, assists even. 
a Golden State more turnovers and more fouls. Uh, again, Los Angeles dictated the series. They drove down uh, to the basket to draw contact, and it worked out for them. So I thought it was great, and to me, uh, this is, to me, very fitting for a couple of reasons. So, you know, a lot of people uh, said that, oh, Steph could overtake LeBron in the greatest all-time rankings uh, if they win this series. But it's something I alluded to last week and said that Steph Curry versus LeBron, you know, LeBron's dominated him, uh, you know, since Kevin Durant. Or if Kevin Durant's not there, you look at the uh, first championship, LeBron, I believe, lost because solely there was not another person. There is no Kyrie or Kevin Love due to injury. If Kyrie stays healthy, I believe, again, they win that series uh, because Golden State didn't mature yet. Then, of course, LeBron beats them in uh, the next series. And then you have the two meet up with KD. And, again, that was just unfair. Kyrie leaves for one of those. So there's just no chance. Um, and then you see this year LeBron dominating Steph at year 20, uh, age 38. It's thoroughly impressive. And then you just look at the history of LeBron James. Uh, LeBron ended the Pistons dynasty in 07 with just a vintage uh, performance. It was it was great because the Pistons were always relevant, uh, you know, for a long time, and they haven't been relevant since LeBron beat them uh, that year. You look at the Celtics. The Celtics haven't won a championship since LeBron ended that big three of Paul Pierce, KG, Ray Allen, and even Rondo. Um, uh, and then now he beat the Warriors. Now you can say, you know, the Warriors had this little dynasty run under LeBron's watch. And that would never happen under MJ as well. Uh, guess what? MJ didn't make the finals till, you know, 91. Lakers won multiple championships when LeBron was there. So did the Celtics. So I don't want to hear that the Pistons won multiple championships you know, he leaves for two years. The Rockets win multiple championships. So I don't want to hear this notion that dynasties never happened. There are still teams that won rings outside of the six years of the 15 years Michael Jordan played of the six that he won. So it's fitting for, I think, LeBron. And I think Golden State is done uh, winning championships with this current team, with how they're constructed. And it just speaks to LeBron's greatness, his longevity, uh, and that, you know, it's his greatness tied or his longevity tied to greatness where he's not just out there at 38 like a bum saying, you know, just retire. This is this is pitiful. Is he what he was? No. Uh, but is he still great? Uh, yes. Now, again, he's not the term anymore where he was the best player. Uh in all of basketball, like he was for so much the MVP anymore. But in terms of the current NBA players, yeah, like I said, he's he, to me he was number five. I, to me, he should be in everyone's top ten in current NBA players. Then let's move on now to the Heat and the Knicks. He eliminated the Knicks. Uh, and in six games, like the Lakers of the Warriors, they got it done on home court. Uh, clutch baskets by the uh, Heat late to win this game. It was 96-92. It was close. Uh, 
you know, the flagrant foul there at the end of the game uh, for the Heat really made it closer. I believe Gabe, it was Gabe Benson uh, who was hit with that flagrant foul. But the, the key thing to me was, you know, you had a chance to tie the game uh, with a three or go ahead at 94-92. And Jalen Brunson, to me, just made the wrong read, tried to pass it under the basket when he drew the contact or when he uh, drew a couple extra defenders down there. He had Josh uh, Hart wide open at the wing for like a half second. I thought that's where he should have gone with it. I trusted Josh Hart, his teammate out there, uh, to make a shot, to force a game seven. I think you live with a wide open three, at least getting a shot off, then a turnover by Jalen Brunson, and which effectively ends the game. Now, I'm not putting Jalen Brunson any of the blame on this because he was the only reason why uh, the Knicks were at all in this series because, again, he dropped 41 points on Friday night. He was terrific. Uh, he made uh, more field goals than the rest of the team combined. He made 14, and the rest of the team only had 13. So, again, uh, he was terrific. Um, but, again, it just showed that he needs another player. He needs more help. Uh, Julius Randle uh, is a good regular season player, uh, but he is a mediocre postseason player. He's a player where his performance drops. Uh, R.J. Barrett, I just think the moment was too big for him. He shot one for ten. Uh, that's got to be better. Uh, but just the Heat, again, the team was much better. They played like a team. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 24. Uh, his running mate, which has really come on lately, Bam on the bio, had 23. Uh, Strews, 14. So that was just a really good team win uh, by the Miami Heat. Now we're going to fast forward to yesterday's game. 76 or Celtics. I said the Celtics were going to win the series. Uh, I never strayed from that pick either. Not when they were down uh, 1-0 or 2-1 or 3-2. Or my bad, they were down 2-1. But when they were down 1-0 or 3-2, I never said 76 are going to win this one. I confidently said Boston was going to win game uh, six, and they did. I thought Tatum was going to have a better performance in game six, uh, but he was very clutch. And then, you know, Friday I said, you know, this could be go either way, but I'm just rolling with the Celtics to win that game. And they did, and Tatum's performance I thought he would have in game six where he dropped 40. He outdid that in game seven yesterday. He was simply amazing. He was the best player on the court yesterday. Jason Tatum. Dropped a 51-piece game, a 50-piece. He dropped 51 points on the Sixers, and it was brilliant to watch. Uh, you know, a lot of people talked about Curry last week or a couple weeks ago against the uh, Kings, where in a Game 7 he dropped 50. Again, it's never been done. Tatum outdid him by a point. To me, it meant more because now we're farther along in the playoffs. Curry did it, uh, you know, against a young and experienced Kings team um, in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but uh, And they were up 3-2 in that series, too. So, again, that Game 7 was forced by De'Aaron Fox. But then this was Game 7, so Jason Tatum hit the clutch shots and 6 to force this. 
And then he did the damage in Game 7 in a later round, 51 points, 13 rebounds, so a double-double, 5 assists. And he was efficient as well. He was 17 of 28 from a field, 6 of 10 from 3, a couple of them, but one on Embiid's head. Uh, I thought was just apropos. I told my brother, that's just what I want to see. I want to see Tatum drop a three on that man's head, and that's what he did. Jason Tatum was the best player on the floor. And to me, I know Joel Embiid won the MVP. There's nothing I can take away, but there's great players out there, but there's players I'd rather have in a Game 7 or players I'd rather have to start my franchise with. And one of those players over Joel Embiid, is Jason Tatum. I'm not saying it because I don't like Embiid or think his game is a good. I think he's great. But what I've seen from Tatum in his career outweighs what I've seen from Embiid in his career. And yesterday was just one game. It was a microcosm of what I've seen the past six or seven years. And Jason Tatum has been phenomenal uh, to me basically his whole career. So this was just a punctuation on hey. We're moving on. We get the heat next, but Jason Tatum was great. His running mate, running Jalen Brown, 25 points. It was basically the two-man show. It was Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, Al Horford has continued to struggle. Robert Williams is not offensively minded. Uh, Marcus Smart uh, has had much better offensive games this series. Um, he only had seven points, and Malcolm Brogdon off the bench at 12, and everybody else didn't show up. So it was a two-man show. And they beat uh, the Sixers down. So congratulations to the Celtics. But one thing I didn't like, and now I'm going to talk more about this, the Sixers, was Joel Embiid's press conference uh, after the game. And to me, you know, Joel Embiid, as I said, uh, or on Monday, I actually, no, on Friday I said, what's his name? Uh, Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA. This postseason has kind of proved that Jokic is better. I just want you to look at these stats because Embiid is 3-6 and six in elimination games and he's never made it to the conference finals. So regular season, Joel Embiid, which of course is when you win MVPs, he averages 27 points, 11 rebounds, 3 turnovers, 3 assists, 50% from the floor, 33% from 3. That's MVP-type numbers. But in the playoffs, what do you want to win as an individual outside from the NBA Finals? You want to win in the Finals MVP. So Embiid won facing elimination, biggest games of the season, bigger than any regular season game, 22 points, so drops by 5. 11 rebounds, stays the same. Four turnovers, so he averages an extra turnover. Two assists, so the assists drop by one. 39% from the field, so that dropped 10 percentage points from 50 to 39, 11 actually. And then 25 three-point percent, so it drops by nine. That's huge uh, for him doing that. Uh, again, I don't think he's a big-time player. And then, you know, also, I don't like what he said afterwards on the game that, you know, kind of trolled Giannis and saying that, you know, there's steps to success and everything like that. 
Well, he's been saying trust the process for almost 10 years now, and nothing's been delivered. There's been no steps. Usually when there's a step, there's, there's progression. You advance. He's just been stuck in the same spot. It's like a loop. It's every year you lose on the second round. He's stuck in a loop. Giannis, on the other hand, has won championships, has gone to multiple conference finals. He's not stuck on a loop like uh, that man is, Joel Embiid. And the other thing I didn't like is he said, I can't win alone. Or, and then he said, me and James Harden can't win alone. This game is played five on five. I hated that. Now, they, those two players, they combined for 24 measly points yesterday. That was it. That was it. And the other thing I didn't like is James Harden had two good games, and the rest he was trash. James Harden is more of a role player now than a superstar. Uh, to me, as I said, the majority of actually this whole year, Tyrese Maxey is their second best player. So for Joel Embiid to throw Tyrese Maxey under the bus like he did, to throw Tobias Harris under the bus, uh, P.J. Tucker, who he wanted to get under the bus, it's an insult. It's insulting that he would throw those players under the bus, all who had better games than James Harden. P.J. Tucker, Tobias Harris, Maxey, all had more than nine points. All had a better plus minus, or outside of Tyrese Maxey, those two had a better plus minus than James Harden. So I don't want to hear that from Joel Embiid. I expect Doc Rivers to be fired. I think Harden will also leave. And I don't know what Joel Embiid's future is as well. Because to me, he's not an alpha. He's not a one. There's some players, again, I mentioned this last week, there's players who want to win. There's players, their stats go up postseason. Come LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Those are all-time playoff greats. Now, Kevin Durant didn't have his great playoff series, but JT, Jason Tatum, he elevates. Joel Embiid shrinks like the Julius Randles, like the DeAndre Edens. That's what he does. He's not like Jimmy Butler. The Sixers were better with Jimmy Butler because they had that alpha in Jimmy Butler there with Joel Embiid. They need an alpha because he is not that guy. I want to talk about the Suns. Because I talked about the Suns a lot, so I'm not going to go in a lot to them. But one thing they did over a weekend was they fired Monty Williams, and I was very so. I I, I don't I wasn't surprised by this because it's back to back elimination games. Last year lost by 30 at home to the Mavs. This year you lost by 25 to the Nuggets. Now, and also because it's a new owner, he wants to bring in his own guys. But Monty has a great record. He's one coach of the year last year. All that third best record or second best record in the past four years. And they fire you. Third best record in the past four years. They fire you. Uh, behind, I think, the Bucks and Sixers. And they fire you. No loyalty there. Uh, and I believe, uh, you know, he didn't want DeAndre Aiden. The staff might have wanted DeAndre Aiden. But I thought Kevin Durant wanted to play with Monty. But really, uh, the next coach that comes in, you're going to have a lot of pressure on you. So my question is, who wants the type of pressure to coach Doc or to coach the Suns with Booker and KD? Or they want to win a championship, and if you don't, you're probably fired. They mentioned a coach like Ty Lue. Now, Ty Lue's in a great situation. Again, everybody knows how great of a coach he is, but he's handicapped by his two stars not being there. 
So, you know, he has an out. Whereas if he was with the Suns and he loses in the first or second round, it's all your fault, Tyloo. Look at Mike Budenholzer with the Bucks. They lose him in the first round. He is out very similarly from them. So, I don't know about that. I don't know if Nick Nurse as well wants that kind of pressure. Uh, because you're going to be asking a lot from this because they see the precedent now. You fired this coach with this resume. You're going to bring me in. I hope I can achieve this. I, you know, I know I've got great players, but there's more than talent that makes a great team. So then I'm just going to give my brief uh, Western Conference, Eastern Conference Finals prediction. I'll be talking about that more tomorrow and throughout the week. Uh, but my early prediction before I do a lot of thinking on this is I'm just going to stick with my original prediction, my original bracket as well. I had the Boston Celtics Nuggets finals. So I'm just going to say that for now. I think Nuggets in seven, I think it'll be a very good competitive series. And then I have Celtics in seven as well. Uh, considering the Heat Celtics, this is the third time meeting in the past four years. They met in a bubble. Heat won last year. They met Celtics won. Uh, so again, that'll be fiery. Lakers Nuggets again met three years ago in the bubble. Uh, I think the key will be AD Jokic, but again, I'll be breaking these down more tomorrow. I'll talk to you then. Bye, everybody.